Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. We are the Dash. Um, my name is Dawn Wright Oliveris, and I am with my co-host, Mr. Peter Mingles. How are you tonight, Peter? I am doing great. We did our first show. All right. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Everything else from here is uphill. Yes, we actually Whatever. turned it on. The buttons here, here. all work. <laughs> so, Peter, everybody's wondering. I know everybody's wondering because people have asked me, well, what's this dash? <laughs> right? That's, I think, the first thing right off the hopper. We have to talk about what's the dash. Well, the, the interesting thing is, um, I guess if your brain thinks, and there's a lot of people probably listening in where their brain actually does think. They just don't go through the, <laughs> the, the routine of every day. And if you start to think about, you know, what is my life all about? How can I help the most people? Um, all of those things. Or, um, like in a case with my situation when my dad passed, and then I read the poem called The Dash, um, and even before that when my grandfather passed and things like that, between life and death I realized that there is that little dash, and there's nothing that we can do to maybe lengthen it or shorten it. And any amount of money that I had, I couldn't lengthen it for my dad. And the reality was is you have a starting time and then you have an ending time, and what you do in between probably is going to define your life. So as I know you try to make a difference in the world, and I know me with the stuff that we do, we try to make a big difference, I always wanted to do something like this where people may be listening in, could be at anywhere relative to their life right now, and be able to get the attitude, the motivation, the spirit, the you know get up and go ness if you will of making a difference. So how do we fill that dash? And Don, I know you really liked that poem when we spoke about it. So if you want to, giving credit to the gal who wrote it, let's mention that poem. Okay. It's uh, by Linda Ellis, copyrighted in 1996, and it's called The Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of her birth and spoke of the following date with tears, but he said that what mattered most of all was the dash between those years, for that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth, and now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth, for it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? The dash, there it is. There you go. And um, I know what it kind of means to me. It means a whole bunch of stuff, but how about for you? Well, for me, it's it's all the meat and potatoes, really, you know. Um, I know that just this time of year is always big, fat dash stuff, you know, the stuff that means 
why I'm here, why I do what I do every day. It's, you know, in, in network marketing, we all wore a little pin when there was a why. Because <laughs> you have to remember why you're doing the things you're doing every day. Um, you know, when you when you decide you're going to launch that business so that you can have more time to spend with your family, but you end up spending all of your time in your business um, but you know that it's for the long haul so that you can spend more time with your family later, so that you have the things in your life that uh, that mean everything to you. Maybe it's music. For some people, it's, you know, the ability to go ahead and follow the Grateful Dead, or, or excuse me, not the dead anymore, but, you know, I know my friend Barb, you know, she when she got some money in her pocket, she went and she just traveled and, and followed her favorite band. There are some people who it's, you know, being able to send their kids to college. Um, For other people, it's the ability to go ahead and adopt a baby, you know. I mean, there's so many things that that mean the whole world to somebody and make your life worth living, you know. And that's really what the Dash is all about to me, whatever makes your life worth living. I agree completely. And I know that there's different people at different parts of their life and there's different things that happen. So I think my probably definition changes almost on a regular basis, if you know what I mean, for perspective. You know, we we have been fortunate that um, our little vehicle drives down the highway of life at a pretty quick speed. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, sometimes... Sometimes it's a little bit too quick and we get, you know, the soles of our feet burned off if we try to slow it down. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the reality is is we've had the chance to be able to touch a whole bunch of people's lives. So whether it's in a business or whether it's in a community or whether it's been at home, I think it changes for me on a regular basis relative to perspective. Now, in the same aspect, I am never, ever, well, I, 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 I know I didn't grow up this way because I really wasn't maybe thinking it through, but I had no <laughs> idea how really fortunate we were to be in the uh, age of mankind the way it is today, Um, the opportunity for someone like me to be able to work from home, to be able to, you know, have my dream of being able to build my own business, to be able to watch my kids grow up, to be able to do really cool things across the world, even this radio show. Dawn, 15, 20 years ago, this wasn't even a possibility. So we are super duper, duper uh, fortunate to be able to help other people. And as leaders, I always say that my job's never done. We have to go out there and help as many people as we possibly can uh, the best way we possibly can if we're going to make a difference. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing here. So I don't know, you know, the people that are listening in, chances are if you're listening every night, you're going to have different things going on with your life as well. And what we'll do is hopefully make a difference for you and lots of other people. Now, also what we'll do is we realize that we have a sphere of influence with hugely talented people, with spheres of influence on their own. So we'll bring those guests available for people as well to be able to get that. For instance, um, I know you're going to have a person on the phone somewhat tomorrow uh, for a guest speaker. We're coming up to the end of the year. We're setting up 2013. I know a lot of people as well. So when you're listening in, you'll probably hear something, a nugget from anybody that might be able to change the dash in your life positively if you let it. So tell us about Scott, because I know we're talking about Scott being here and some of the things maybe that's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, and I mean, I'm going to make sure that he can be here tomorrow. But uh, I had just asked him for one of the Thursdays coming up, so I don't oh. want to. I don't want to promise him All right. tomorrow. That's okay. But um, well, D. Scott Pullen, he is an amazing guy. He and I met back in the day when I was an Aola rep, 
And Aola, just to give a little backstory, was a fantastic um, ephedra-based compound for weight loss. They were these drops, and that was their signature line. And I went from a size 14, 16 down to a size 4, 5, and 6 months on these little wonder drops. And, um, you know, people are going to be emailing me for the next six weeks listening to this show saying, where do I get them? <laughs> and you can't <laughs> because, you know, somebody went off and, and did crazy things with um, with Mahuang and with Ephedra, and now you can't get it, your hands on it anymore. But it was a fantastic natural weight loss line, and Scott Poland had done some really great writing. He, did, he was a research writer and uh, and created a couple of books. And I was reading his books on uh, Fedra, and I was reading his books on colloidal silver, and I just had to meet him. And I'm one of those people who I, I end up in a company for 15 minutes, and I start digging around and written around, and I'm like, well, how does he know that? And I, I need I need to ask that guy something. You know, most people would feel intimidated calling intimidating intimidated by calling an author and just saying, can you can you answer a couple of questions that I have? But I never felt intimidated by anything like that. So I called Scott, and the next thing you know, him and I met up at a convention, an AOLA regional thing, and we became really good friends. And Scott is, is one of those guys who's just committed to the growth and the positive reality for everyone that he encounters, even back then. So him and I hit it off, and and then a few years later, I was standing in um, it was it was a FemNet meeting, and Brian Clemmer, who is one of the the great the great minds of personal development of of this era, we were sitting there talking, and I said something about how Scott Poland was looking for for a new gig because Aola went out of business, and the next thing you know, Brian scooped him up and. Although Brian, um, who is a dear friend, is departed this planet, he has had a heck of a dash. That that is one man who had a big fat dash. <laughs> and Scott Poland has um, carried on his work and still and still does the work today. So he does some amazing, amazing personal development stuff. And I've asked him to come on and and uh, and to meet everybody and to do a little something, something for us. That'd be great. And I know that everybody has a slightly different message, a slightly different style. So I usually can pick up I, – I love listening to different things and different people and the way they say things, and sometimes it just kind of plants a seed in my mind, and then I'll be able to work at that a little bit later on. So we're going to have some special guests on here. We'll have Nikki Kiyohoho, who was a self-starter running the Direct Selling Women's Alliance. We'll have people from the Association of Network Marketing Professionals. We'll have people from – And Dan Dorr. We have Dan Dorr coming up soon. Dan Dorr. We'll have uh, Rick Ernst, who's the best coach. Um, a gentleman that I know. We'll have Bob Adams, who's going to be talking to you about money, and that's important relative to taxes and the people getting started in home-based businesses. And we'll be able to make a difference in your dash. And hopefully what will happen is you'll be able to apply that difference and share it with other people. Now, I don't know everything, and I've certainly been exposed to a lot of things, so I've had a nice opportunity to be able to kind of taste, if you will, lots of things relative to life, at least here in the United States. And I've found that successful people, because I've tried to study successful people, every newspaper that I might read about someone's success or every book that I've leafed through or every audio cassette series that I've listened to, I've always tried to figure out, Dawn, what is it, what are the qualities and characteristics of those people that are more successful than less successful? And here's what I found. Number one was they had a moral compass. They had a moral compass. Now, however someone might define that, it could be religion, it could be uh, core values, 
It could be something they, their grandma raised them with, or maybe the parents, or maybe uh, somebody that was a major influence in their life. But they had core and, and a moral compass. They always knew where north was, and they wouldn't get distracted from north because that gets some people in trouble. Then the other part was they had a driving passion. They were lunatics in a polite way. They were maniacs <laughs> on a mission. They were just, it was a lifestyle. It was kind of like their brain was bent in that general area. And, but they were passionate. So obstacles are things, I'll, I'll use a quote from Gary Cox. I want to make sure we give credit wherever I've heard it from before. Gary Cox said, you know, obstacles are things that you look at when you have your sight off your goals. So especially nowadays where there's an economy that's up and down, there's different people with different challenges all over the place, you know, who's to say whether we're on track or not on track? I just don't think we're doing very good. But the reality was is that the leaders have to have a driving passion. And then the last one was how people manage distractions, both in time and their mind. So I'm a huge Napoleon Hill fan. When I first got started way back when, when I broke my mom's heart and decided to sell vacuums with a company called Electrolux, <laughs> the first the first book that's a that's an interesting story. I, I can book. just I can be I can be at that table listening yes. to you tell them that story. <laughs> yes. The news. Yes. yes. So for mm-hmm. all those people that are here, I think my mom has bypassed the statute of limitations because it's like 28 years. I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't know what the statute of limitation is for threatening to kill somebody with a knife. <laughs> But that's what she did, because just think it through. I was a recent college graduate. My mom and my dad came from humble beginnings. They worked really hard to give us everything that they had. Um, I had a sister that was born, I don't know if it's the right uh, the, the right slogan to use or maybe the right term, but she was born mentally retarded. That's what we called it way back when. And it was really tough. There was a lot of medical issues in my family. And I was the first grandson off the boat that was going to go to college, and I did. And then after graduating from college, I said to my mom, listen, I'm not really thinking about being that medical doctor. I'm thinking about joining this company and getting started with them. It's a management training program. And when she heard that it was with vacuum cleaners, she literally grabbed the knife off the table. If she were listening in or calling in, she would tell you the rest of the story. And she chased me. She chased me, Don. I'm telling you. She used words that I cannot say on this phone right now. You'd have to beat me out for about a minute and a half. And as a as a dad of, uh, you know, as kids that we're bringing, I'm raising kids to go to college as well, I know why she was upset. But I learned a lot about a lot of things. And one of the things that happened is I had a really good branch manager who gave me a copy of Think and Grow Rich. And I had learned that I can control my mind if I allow myself to. So the first person that ever taught me those things was a total stranger who's been dead for decades before that. And thank goodness for YouTube, you'll be able to go and see different YouTube movies that Napoleon Hill has done. But he was my, and one of my favorites. So I've learned a lot of things from him, and it's been a a lifelong journey of self-development, and I'd rather listen to self-development stuff and work on myself than, and not in a narcissistic way, I figured that if, I am be, if I'm stronger, I can help a whole bunch of other people become stronger as well. There's no strength and weakness. So mm-hmm. part of the things that we're going to talk about on this dash is all of those things. So we'll figure out which one might resonate with you, and you'll probably listen to and hear a lot of the different ones. 
but from Napoleon Hill, he is my favorite. And, you know, if somebody would ask me, Napoleon Hill, Earl Nightingale, and then lots of other really cool people have basically been descendants of him. Um, those are the types of things that we'll talk about here. And most importantly is through our own stories, you'll be able to hear the application of those. Because both you and I, Don, have been in companies where we started from nothing and built them into successful companies. So this isn't just about theory. There's plenty of people out there that can give you theory, but we give you practical knowledge and we can bring some other people to do the same as well. So theory is great, but I like the practical stuff because the practical stuff is the stuff that I could use. Well, so, you know, Peter, that's the truth. And and one of the things that I find is that, you know, I've done the intensives. I've gone and, you know, gone up to the Psy Ranch in Clear Lake Oaks and spent 10 days, and I've looked from the top of telephone poles at tiny little trapeze that I'm supposed to jump to, and I've done high ropes work, and I've done low ropes work, and I've done all the to the fear confrontation stuff and the leadership development stuff, and some of it is really scary, you know, and it's not scary because you're standing at the top of a telephone pole because, you know, you got belay lines and there's like six people holding on to them. It's That's not what's scary. What's scary is the stuff that we have to look at, that I have to look at in myself that is in my way, you know, and it's the stuff that keeps me in the comfy chair with the clicker when I don't want to get up and do this next thing that I need to do for my business to be successful. Um, and it's the stuff that, that stops me from, from getting the next place that I want to be in life. And, and you know, even, even those of us who are really schooled at it and have done a lot of the work and have been very successful in business, we still have our stuff. And um, the thing that I can say about this kind of work is that I source it every day. Like 10 years ago, I went up to that ranch, and I did that exercise, and yesterday I was in my kitchen, and something happened that I went, oh, oh, I remember that. So, you know, it's work that keeps going, you know, and and that's the stuff that Napoleon Hill and, you know, uh, William Penn Patrick and all of the greats, you know, one of my favorite books is The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles, and, um, you know, just about a year ago, I read that book 10 years ago, and a year ago, I went, I know what it is to turn in the stream now. And my husband, Alex, looks at me and goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, there's this stream that, that, that Wallace D. Waddles in the book, The Science of Getting Rich, he talks about turning in the stream. I'm, I turned. Now I know what he's talking about. And he's like, well, that's good, honey, you know? <laughs> But, you know, it's amazing how how this stuff can stick with you and and how it can mean so much for so long, especially in the hard times, you know. Oh, without a doubt. I remember a phrase that I heard early on, maybe because I was just out of college and I was still in my note-taking habits. I'll never forget, (laughs) early on, I used to write everything down with a pen and a paper because I would never be able to allow my memory to remember it, especially if it was something important. And I wrote down something that sealed my fate. And when I say I wrote down something that sealed my fate, I knew that I couldn't live a lie. So if I heard something or if I thought something, that's it. The horse is out of the barn. The the gate's been closed. Whatever term you want to say, it's over. And for me, it was an expression. It was real simple. Successful people do the things that failures refuse to. 
So mm-hmm. for all those English majors, I don't know if that's the right English or not, but I remember writing that down. Successful people do the things that failures refuse to. And going back to what you had said, Don, you referenced stuff that you learned 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I knew that when I wrote that down, I would be sealing my fate because everywhere I wrote it or every time I said it, I would have to talk to me, and it would sound a little bit like this. So, Peter, what's it going to be? Do you want to succeed or do you want to fail? Now, I could talk to me a little bit like that, so I can bully me and you could bully you more so than anybody might be able to bully you specifically. So you can talk to yourself pretty tough. And I said to myself, so, Peter, what's it going to be? Successful people do the things that failures refuse to. And I just said, now, successful people don't want to do those things either, but they do it anyway. So the key is going to be finding those successful things that you'll have to do. And that was really tough for me, Don, because when I got started and I was selling vacuums with that company, there was a lot of times, let's face it, it's 7.20 Eastern time on whatever, December 26th, and maybe if I was in New York and I had to go get my next demo because a, a good sales rep would do anywhere from three to five presentations every single day, it might be cold, it might be raining, it might be gray, everybody else might be taking the day off, they might be at the store. But then I would have to look at that book and say, successful people do the things that failures refuse to. And I said, I'm just going to get better, and I'll knock on that extra door, or I'll ring that extra phone, and I'll do the things that most people won't. And you know the funny thing about that? It doesn't take any, any intellect. I didn't have to get smarter. It didn't take any special talent to do the things that successful people do, you know, the things that failures refuse to. It just took really an attitude and a self-discipline. And I said, great, because I knew that my competition probably wouldn't. So especially around this time of year where people sometimes have a tendency to slow down, this is some of the best weeks to actually go start working on some of your goals. Matter of fact, guys like me that have a sense of urgency will always figure out that there's never a good time to not work on your goals. When we talk about the dash, Don, I don't know how long mine is, and mm-hmm. neither do you, mm-hmm. and it could be over in a second. And we read in newspapers how every day that could be the case, and we work as if we're going to be able to hear it lasting forever, but the reality is is we just never know. So make every day count when you can. So that's always been my driving theme. So successful people do the things that failures refuse to. And if you were to kind of get a little quicker and you would say, Peter, how many times do you say that to yourself every single day? I'd say, Don, you know, I don't know, but it'd be a lot. A mm-hmm. couple of dozen at least. A couple of dozen at least because everybody's pulling on us for the distractions. So successful people do the things that failures refuse to. That made such a big difference in my life. I shared it with as many people that would listen. And here's the hard part. Most people don't. And the answer is, why is that? I'm not sure. They get distracted. They don't. Maybe we're not close enough, so they don't get the repetition. But we hope that those people, if you hear it frequently enough, you probably will make a big difference in other people's lives as well. So whatever your level of success might be, whatever your definition might be, I know, Don, you say that you're a libertarian and I'm very much the same way. Whatever is success for you, as long as it doesn't impose itself on other people, that's your definition, man. If it's to make a little bit of money or make a lot of money, that's your thing. If it's to help somebody, if it's to raise turkeys or feed the, <laughs> feed the ducks and make sure they stay warm on a winter's day, <laughs> whatever your definition of success is, just figure it out. And this way at least you could be happy and help other people as well. 
I know you're making fun of my ducks. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to say a little something about my ducks because, you know, I I was always a – my, my, we were born in, I was born in New York, raised in Connecticut, really nice town, but not duck worthy. You know, like, you know, we, we had a nice house, but we didn't have a big pond. And, you know, now I'm living in Arkansas. And I, I've always complained that I never had a litter of puppies. I never had a litter of kittens. I never had, well, so Susie, my daughter, calls me down from Atwoods and goes, Mama, they've got ducks. And, of course, I'm like, oh, well, we have to have ducks. We have a pond. We're in Arkansas. We need ducks. That's so right. Yeah. She brought me Especially our the first idea that you're fourth... in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, I have to. I mean, you're in Arkansas. You need ducks. So so we got our first four ducks. And, well, three of my first four ducks didn't make it. Their dash was really short. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have one duck left from that original, um, I'll call it a litter, for lack of a better word. And um, we named them Lucky. Yeah, <laughs> we named him Lucky Duck because he was a lucky duck to be alive. And and so we, we got seven more ducks that were delivered for $75. You can get already grown ducks that aren't, like, too grown, but that aren't, you know, that they'll stay on my pond. And so Lucky now had a gaggle, for lack of a better term. You can get a gaggle of geese, so I'm going to call it a gaggle of ducks. And I have eight of them, and Lucky leads the pack. And I go down there in the snowstorm last night because I figure Arkansas ducks can't be real accustomed to snow. And these were all born in, in April of last year. And so I'm giving them corn and I'm building them a bonfire over on my beach. <laughs> because I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I suppose most ducks fly south for the winter and I live in the south. So what do they do when they're in the south and it snows, Peter? I I don't know. I think right? maybe you should bring them inside next time. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that last time. It yeah, didn't work. That would be, be crazy. But I think, <laughs> but I think that's it because it's an attitude towards life. It, it's an attitude towards life as well. Absolutely. So I think it. I think that means a lot of things. You know, I think everything has to do with an attitude, and you do it whether somebody's not looking or anything. But um, I, I, you know, and who are we to impose anybody's, you know, beliefs on anything? But I know for me, it's kind of like, well, do I kill the bug or do I kind of let it go? And, you know, unless it's a mosquito and might harm somebody or stuff like that, I take the extra five seconds to grab it in a cup or in that my family thinks I'm kind of nutty. But mm-hmm. I'll kind of grab it, and I figure, you know what, this is a life. So who am I to form judgment? Same thing like a weed. A weed is pretty or not maybe perhaps in the eye of the beholder. So I try to do everything I possibly can to respect that. And I think that sets a tone. And I think that also has something to do with the law of attraction as well. You kind of attract who you are. And the neat thing is when you do that the right way, as we'll talk about the moral compass and the passion and the drive and the idea of managing all the distractions, you will find people that will beat a path to your door to become part of that. And that's what we hope to be able to create over here. And there might be 100,000 other radio stations, and God bless them if they're doing the same thing that we are because – there's good and evil in the world, and the evil guys, as you know, never take a day off. And we have a whole bunch of work to do relative to the uh, economy, the culture, a whole bunch of other things. Because even though the uh, technology has been great to give us wonderful opportunities, it's also allowed us to perhaps destroy our lives if we let it. Mm-hmm. So we'll, Absolutely. Go the, we'll go through the whole shoot match. 
You know, and speaking of the economy, Peter, we were talking about something earlier today that I think a lot of people really need to, and I hate to do, well, I'm, I don't really hate to be that guy. I tend to be the person who just blurts it out and says what what, what people really need to hear sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about the fact that, you know, what it looks like is coming up on the new year. Um, that there's a lot of people who are really unsure about what's going to happen with the government and the taxes that are coming up right now. Correct. And um, you said something really interesting to me. You said, you know, w- would it be okay if your boss just shorted you 150 bucks on this week's check? And why don't we get into a little bit about what that could look like and, and really what people's alternatives and options are going to be? Well, I think, you know, a lot of people aren't really paying attention to some of the things that have happened. If you watch Napoleon Hill, you know, 50 years ago when he talked about the disturbing trend in society is the elimination of personal freedom. So they've been talking about this stuff since like the beginning of time. However, relative to the stuff that's today stuff, because the stuff that happened 80 years ago probably isn't going to affect you that much right now. But we're going to watch, depending on how these politicians and I, I, I like people, but I'm not crazy about politicians. Most of the times, they set up their own fishbowl environment so they look really great. And whether they're going to be able to do that in this one or not, I just know that some of the tax laws that will happen over this next year are going to make a very big difference in a lot of people's lives. And let me kind of explain. If you take a look at the charts, and Bob Adams is one of our tax guys. He'll be able to come on here and explain it far more eloquently than I. But the reality is, is if some of the stuff goes through, people will not see a change, most likely, in their next paycheck. So in 2013, your paycheck's probably going to look the same if you're a W-2 employee. And the only reason for that is the fiscal cliff isn't going to change immediately because none of the, none of the companies know even how to program the computers to take the amount of money out. But if you talk to some of the people that aren't alarmists, they're just telling you the way it is. They're looking at the stuff and say, if some of this stuff – goes through the way they're supposed to, that the average person listening on the phone is probably going to owe anywhere from $2,500 to $3,500 more every single year. And where is that going to come from, Don? You know, where is that going to come from? And to put it into perspective, I know that if I asked anyone listening on the phone, can I have $20, most of you would probably say, sure, Peter, you sound like a nice guy. If I say you'll never get it back, can I have the 20 bucks? That's fine. But if I snuck into your house and stole that $20, that would probably really bother you a lot. You would, we'd have a breach of a social contract. We would have bad feelings for sure. We'd destroy the relationship, all those types of things. And what I'm afraid of, Don, is a lot of people that aren't paying attention are going to get, like, when they open up their check or when they look at their deposit, they'll see anywhere from 100 to Two or three hundred dollars, if they're paid every other week, reduced from their paycheck. That could be literally, you know, it could be the difference between a more comfortable lifestyle or a less comfortable lifestyle for many. So, you know, we're in troubling times, and then many times people don't take advantage of the stuff that they possibly should. So, I'll just use as an example. I have a neighbor who works from home as part of his job. And he calls the IRS every once in a while and says, can I deduct my expenses from home? And he has been told every year that he calls, no. Well, I don't know who he's talking to. But I said, so what do you do? 
and he tells me what he does. And I said, wait a minute, that's 100% legal, the stuff that you're talking about. Now, you can't uh, go for your whole house. Don't fudge the numbers, document everything, say things the right way. But you know what? You have probably been overpaying for a really long period of time. Now, why are people afraid? Well, I think we've been kind of conditioned. So the key is going to be learn the rules and watch out because there's some pretty dangerous stuff happening in 2013 if we allow it. We have no idea what's going on with health care. For those people that say, um, you know, is health care a good thing? Of course it's a great thing. Uh, people need to be taken care of in a social and a civilized society. Let's go for it. But in the same aspect, what is that going to really mean to the people like myself who are employers or people like yourself, Don, self-employed, you have to worry about added and additional health expenses. So those are the types of things that we're going to do to help add to your dash um, to be able to give you the practical things that you'll need to take action. Because if you can take action and you do it the right way, you'll make a very big difference in some people's lives. That extra 2500 to 3500 bucks this coming year for some people that they don't have to lose could make a difference between uh, kids going to school, lifestyles, a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of us live on the edge, if you will, and especially in these tough economic times, you have to do everything you possibly can. So the the advantage goes to the educated. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as you were going ahead and talking about that, I was shooting an email off to a friend of mine um He's absolutely fantastic. I use his tax bot all over the place, and um, I'm going to make sure that I can snag him on for for one of our shows because, you know, people don't realize how much money they give away, and um, just just in like the smallest things that people don't make themselves aware of, you know. And I'm one of those people, Peter. Like I I tell everybody, I am allergic to spreadsheets. I do not do numbers. I love to manifest money. I'm not allergic to money. I'm allergic to Excel. There's a very big difference, you know. I have duplicates on my checks because I know that I need to keep a record of them, but don't ask me to write them in the register every time I write one. You know, like I I just really stink at those tiny little things that make my life a living hell if I don't do them. (laughs) So I'm one of those people who has really embraced the iPhone and every form of application that it can offer me in things that that allow me to record because I just get in the car and I push a button. And I'm able to do that. You know, I'm Pavlov's dog. You know, the bell can ring and I can salivate. It's very, very simple. But when it comes right down to, like, line items and making sure I'm keeping track of everything in a linear fashion, that's just not my gig. So there have been some really brilliant people who have developed tools for people like me. And um, what I've found is that I can save a lot of money by using them. So I'm going to make sure that we go ahead and grab a few of those people for the show as well to Absolutely. to help people along. Yep, and, and we've had different people at different levels talk about those types of things. So whether it's financial or spiritual or self-development-related things, those are the types of things that in, in today's society, it's the people that are more thinking, it's the ones that are more educated, those are the ones that are going to probably be the ones that are going to be able to win this game. And most importantly, when you're strong, you can help other people as well. You know, Don, I've, um, I've learned, uh, you know, you develop a little philosophy when you have to start training people. And I know you've trained people for your whole entire adult life. We kind of didn't grow up um, in, in, that, in that arena where we were followers for a real long time. We've always had our mentors, but many people have always looked up to you. Um, and you have been thrust into a leadership position since, like, the very beginning of time. And <laughs> yeah. 
and and it's you know we just aspire to that level for whatever reason it might have been, and uh, that's just kind of like the type of people that we've kind of become. I was training people when I was 22 years old. A month after um, I made a couple of sales in the vacuum cleaner business, what they already gave me a train they already gave me a training position. I'm like I'm still trying to figure this stuff out. How in the <laughs> world are you letting me train anybody? This is like a dangerous situation. I wrote apology letters to everybody all the time. Like I don't know what I'm doing, but hang around with me. We won't be this bad forever. But but I've learned that there are builders, maintainers and destroyers. So there's people that build, there's people that maintain and there's people that destroy. And a lot of people on the phone listening in, you know, you're builders. You make things happen. You add something, you know, when you're in your building mode. Maintainers are those people that are just kind of like status quo. They do enough just to get by. And then there's destroyers. And unfortunately, we all have destroyers in our life or destructive behavior. So what we have to do is we have to try to turn around as many maintainers, manage the destroyers that we possibly can to really make a big difference because it's the destroyers that sometimes will be the ones that kind of drag you down. And then you'll just have to know whether, you know, if they're family members, you have to deal with them. If they're business associates, you just have to kind of learn who you want to hang around with and who is going to actually tear down your operation or your business or not. So we'll talk about those things as well, and we'll bring in our guest speakers. But, Dawn, we're sitting here about 35 minutes into this. I don't know when you want to call it a call on our very first inaugural show. <laughs> well, I think I think we're good. I, I see that we're at 641 right now, so... Mm-hmm. Oh, 7.41, your time. Yep. And, uh, you know, we don't want to just talk for the sake of, of filling time, you know, that we know that people's time is worth more than that. So what what we just wanted to do, everybody, was to go ahead and come on and say hi. We know it's like the day after Christmas. Everybody's hustling and bustling and, and doing that thing that you do and, and probably still have dishes up to the ceiling from yesterday. And uh, and we do, too. We just wanted to come on and, and stretch our legs and, and do a little <clears throat> with our voices <laughs> and get ready for the new year. We're really, really excited about things. So we're going to come on tomorrow night again at 7 o'clock. We're going to talk a little bit about resolutions because we're ramping up to that moment of time where, you know, all of us are going to be looking at the next year, you know. It's going to be our last show for the, the year 2012. I, for one, Peter... I'm going to have a very happy New Year's Eve because 2012 has been rough, man. It has been one of my my most challenging years of my life. Um, you know, like I had a, a few a few years back, about 20 years ago, I had a couple of years where I mean, and this was heavy stuff. I mean, I lost my mom in eight months. Well, I think it was eight. I, I lost identical twin girls in utero. Eight months later, I lost my grandmother eight months after that i lost my mother it was eight months after that i lost my other grandmother so all of my matrons in my family all of the women that i went to for advice and support and identical twin girls my daughters all passed on okay now this was one of those like couple three years in life that like take families to their knees you know and we all have them you know and this year I mean, I'm talking about people that I love dearly being diagnosed, I mean, person after person with fatal diagnoses. I'm talking about people that I absolutely love more than anything in the whole world. I'm talking about, like, realizations and really difficult things in the business realm happening. Just really, really challenging year. And I am going to say goodbye to this year like... Like, like, bye-bye. <laughs> yep. 
Bye. Don't don't write. Don't call. Bye. <laughs> How about you? I'd walk without it. Oh, no, that's fine. No, uh, but I, I I agree completely. You know, I look at the seeds. I, I look at adversity as the seeds of the equivalent benefit. You know, that's another Napoleon Hill thing. And you know what? Sometimes, Dawn, I said, you know what? I don't need to be that smart. You know, I really don't need to experience all the things that I've had to worry about experience. Can't you give me just a little break? Yeah. And two, 2012 has been a really fast year. It's had its ups. It's had its downs. I wouldn't replace it if, if, you know, thank goodness nothing super major happened with me personally. So I wouldn't replace it, but I certainly would um, I certainly would be able to say, you know what, 2013, I really think is going to be a great year because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are primed up for it. The environment is right. The, the economy is looking for it. Um, and the types of people that we have attracted and we will continue to attract, I think we're going to build 2013 to be our best years helping the most amount of people. And that's why I'm super excited about this dash. And we live the, we walk the walk and we talk the talk, even though some people might have said, you know, it's going to be the day after Christmas. Let's not do the radio show anyway. We said, no, successful people do the things that failures refuse to. We're doing the show anyway. So mm-hmm. we will be here leading by example every step of the way. Absolutely. And, Peter, it's the truth. People say, you know, you're going to do the show. You're going to do a show right now, Dawn. And it's, you know what, there is nothing like an upswing. You know, we can have tough times and tough years. We can have, you know, Christmas and what are you talking about? You're going to go, but there's something about the upswing. You know, when things are really tough and really challenging, when you go ahead and you do it anyway, you know, you just do it anyway. In any situation, you know, you just close your eyes, you plug your nose, and you take the plunge. It's, it just has this way of making everything good, really exciting and better, and the thrill of being alive. In 2013, we needed to ring it in in a good way, in a big way, with a, a, just a bold statement. And that's what the Dash is for me. It's a bold statement with one of my dearest friends and, and best business partners and walking into 2013 and going, what do you got? Let's do it. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> That's great. Okay, good. All right, so thanks, everybody, for listening in. We'll be back tomorrow, same time. We do these Monday through Thursday, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time to about 8, and we'll expand as we go. And uh, thanks for being here. So, Don, I'll let you close it up. Thanks, guys. It's absolutely wonderful to be back online, and we will talk to you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern. See you here. Bye.